0: Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for
1: Business podcast. Howdy there,
2: everybody, and good morning,
1: Tay. Welcome to Fight Club. Good morning.
2: (laughs) Welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. Super excited to have you all here with us this Tuesday morning. And as you know, we are a group of industry experts who's here to help you fight for your business and find an area to focus on this week to really move the needle forward. So we're going to go ahead and cover four areas today. We've got marketing, finances, systems, and operations, or employee management. So with one of those topics today, just find one that you feel as though... Excuse me, my pug is just wanting to be a part of the show today. Excuse
1: me. Good morning.
2: Well, good morning. It's not that cold in Florida, but he wanted to be um, So we're excited to have you with us. Find an area that you can focus on and really pick that this week and push it forward. Execute on it and find a homework piece that you have to be able to move that needle forward. So we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves and introduce our guest, Rich, here. So I'll start everyone off. I am Taylor Moroni, and I co own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. And obviously, we have a pug as well who likes to be the center of attention. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm super, I excited, super excited to be back with y'all. And Rich, we'd love to have you take a moment and just introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background about you and your business.
3: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, so my name is Rich Jordan. I I own Strong Point Management Group, which is an investment vehicle of my own to, to and is what I hold my real estate and uh, service businesses in. Um, my main focus, though, recently has been my plumbing company, which is Guaranteed Plumbing located in Ocean County, New Jersey. Um, and I acquired that in September of 2020, so I'm in my about seven, eight, seventh, eighth month now ownership there um and that's been uh a challenging but uh successful turnaround story so far um and and we've done a lot of growth we've had we've increased revenues 60 percent um in that time um we've created seven jobs and uh and all of our guys are making more money they're happy and uh we continue to uh to uh have technicians banging on our door for jobs so um that, that's kind of where I'm at now my my background is I'm a uh, I was a Marine Corps officer uh, Marine Corps infantry officer and I just left the Marine Corps last summer July of 2020. Wow. Um so kind of got myself in the mix uh it, pretty quickly um uh, but no real like formal business experience prior to um prior to jumping into this. So, so cool. welcome to Fight
0: Club Rich uh my <laughs> name is Megan Mike I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. They educate and empower small business owners so that they can know their numbers and live more financially rewarding lives. I also own Like Likes Accounting Company. as a full-service accounting firm where you can outsource all of your accounting tasks to our team and help with your bookkeeping, your payroll, things like that. Um, and I co-own a window cleaning and gutter cleaning company with my husband in Northern California called Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters. And I'm funny in front of the mountains today. So if I lose you, I will come back. But hopefully the internet <laughs> stays stable. <laughs> and welcome to Fight them. Awesome.
1: And I'm Megan and I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars. And we outsource all your front and back office tasks, especially customer care. I am grateful for Rich coming on today. He's one of our clients and we absolutely adore him. Um, he paid someone on our team an incredible compliment last week and said that they in his business, so we're going to talk about that, Um, and welcome to Fight Club.
4: Hi, and I'm Martha Woodward, and (laughs) I teach people about culture, um, how to lead by letting people choose their own path, and I am co-founder of a software called Quality Driven, and I also own a maid service in a neighboring state, so I stay busy. (laughs) just a little
2: (laughs) i stay busy i love that you're i feel like you're constantly busy that's not even like i stay busy like it's like where's the free option for martha
1: (laughs) never never
4: Uh,
2: awesome well i guess we'll go ahead and jump into our little round robin here with you rich and i'll start off with some marketing pieces um i know we were chatting a little bit before Um, like you said, you're pretty new into it about eight months, right. was what you were saying about eight months. Um, so one of the first pieces you had mentioned was really diving into your, you know, local area. So through your GMB or your Google, my business, um, also through truck graphs and recently instituting some call tracking to be able to monitor all of that, which I think is awesome because you can have all these pieces, you can put everything out there, but if you really don't know what's coming from where, then how are you really judging the, um, execution of those marketing, those marketing, you know, avenues, I should say. So what, um, I guess I'm going to kind of touch on Michelle a little bit here. Sorry, Michelle. Uh, but what service, (laughs) if you don't mind me asking, did you sign up for, for call tracking?
3: Uh, service Titan. We recently moved to, to service Titan from jobber. Yep.
2: Okay. Awesome. And that was the call tracking piece one of the main components as to why you wanted to switch over
3: to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, myriad reasons for going to Service Titan, but one of them definitely was that I wanted to, I wanted to have hard data on, on what I'm spending on marketing and how it's being returned to me. Um, so I didn't have that before and I was really just going off of gut feel, you know, what makes sense? Where would I look as a consumer for, for a plumbing company when I need a plumbing service? <clears throat> and for the most part, I think we were, effect- we were somewhat we were effective enough. Um, but being able to actually call track has, I mean, it's, it's been very informative so far.
2: Awesome. So I know um, I used to talk about this with clients a lot when I worked at past marketing companies. You know, they'd be concerned about adding call tracking. It's like an extra cost. like I don't really need it. I can just ask the client and, If anyone who's listening right now knows, you can ask the client, you can say, where did you happen to find me? You know, how did you find our company? 90% of them is going to say online. And then after they say online, you're going to get, I don't really know where online. Um, I just know I was on my phone or on my computer, or I talked into my phone. So that piece right there immediately cuts you off. You know, you're getting it from online, but you don't know what broad area Or what specific area, excuse me, they're just giving you the broad area of where they found you. So we've seen, and I can attest this with our own company, we've even seen, you know, commercial leads that have come from Google ads, which traditionally marketing companies tell you, you know, most of your commercial ads are going to come from organic because they're a business. They understand that you spend money on ads and they're not going to click on an ad. Well, that totally got reversed for me in the last two months. I've seen three different, you know, bids come in from commercial companies through a Google paid ad. So by having that call tracking, you're able to then see, okay, we are spending, we are getting, you know, a a $3,000 bid coming in from a Google ad campaign. You know, that covers us for two months, pretty much for ad spend that covers our Google organic. If it came in from the organic side on SEO for you know, X amount of months and you can really start to see where that money is being allocated and how you're getting that return back on it. Um, now, do you, do you have, when they answer the phone, do you still have them ask that question to be safe um, as like a fail safe, or do you just kind of fully rely on the call tracking for um, knowing where that lead came from?
3: We're, we're fully relying on the call tracking now. Um, so, you know, my, my goal pretty much across my business is to make my employees or my contractors um, job is as simple as possible and not have to like rely on compliance um to, to something to some rule that i've you know implemented okay. um so so my csr doesn't have to ask that question we just collect the data now.
2: that's awesome absolutely awesome well what i'll do um i have some homework for you guys later in regards to call tracking um, I do want to touch this real, real briefly on your truck wraps. I know that's something too that you instituted recently. And this is really important as well, because if you have trucks, if you have, you know, commercial rigs on the road, you want to make sure you have that visible presence and that people know who your company is and can know, like, and trust them. So you can really easily do that through truck wraps and trailer signage and things of that sort so they have that uniform look. Um, what is one of your, um, you know, truck wraps, what are some of the pieces you have involved on them? Do you have like a phone number? Do you have your website? What are some of the forms of contact you have?
3: Yeah. So we, we have a phone number, uh, large, very visible on all sides of the truck. Um, and we have our website as well, uh, much smaller, but, but really what I consider the, like the main thrust of the truck wraps is, is that brand presence. Um, I, I you know, now that I own a service company, I'm sure all, of, uh, all the service company owners out here uh, watching can relate. I, I'm looking at everyone's truck wraps all the time, right? I'm rubbernecking people's trucks all the time, every day, drives my wife crazy in the car. Um, and, and what I, what I've noticed is that a lot of, a lot of people's, truck wraps, like particularly the expensive ones that it's clear that someone spent some money on, on this wrap are like really loud, um, very busy. And sometimes you can't even tell what trade they're in. Like maybe you can read their name, maybe not like the cup, you know, it's like yellow against orange or something. You can't read it. Um, and there's just a lot going on. So we we went the total opposite way. All of my trucks are basically this color right here. The, the entire truck is this color. Um, and it has my name emblazoned, big on the side, phone number, big on the side. And my, and my trade is part of my name. Basically this this right here is, is huge on the side of this truck. Um, so it's very simple for me, uh, for someone to, to know who I am and what I do. And also we just become the guys in the blue trucks, right? Like we, we now own that color in our market. Um, so, that that was my main my main goal with the trucks, and it, it seems to sort of have worked. Um, we get we get uh, we get feedback from our clients all the time now that everyone thinks we've like 10x in size because now they just happen to see you know we see you everywhere now, um, and we're not really uh, any more any larger than we used to be. We just you you can't drive by us without noticing us now.
2: Exactly. There's there's that presence that brand acknowledgement every time you come by, um, and that's something that you is completely irreplaceable. Especially too, once you um, I know some clients do like to put call tracking numbers on trucks. That is an option too. Um, I do want to touch on that since we did talk about call tracking. Um, I've worked with clients before that do that, it allows them to also know that hey, this lead came directly from my box truck number two, or this lead came from you know, truck number one or trailer number one. So that way they can also track where those individual trucks were so they know where those leads are coming from as well. Um, So that is an option too, but I'm super glad to hear that you're doing a simplistic design. You're getting the information they need to know who you are, know what you do and know how to contact you immediately. Um, So maybe we'll have you drop a picture of those truck wraps in our group later because I'd love for everyone to see that.
3: I love my truck, so I'd be happy to
2: awesome well we're definitely gonna have to have you do that but i'll go ahead since megan's back on i'll pass you over to megan for some finances thank you so much for chatting with me and thank you for your service
3: thanks awesome
0: well i mean i feel like you brought up so many things that i want to talk about so i'm going to give you the menu of options here and you can tell me what you would like to discuss with our listeners today um you sound like a data nerd so i feel like we're going to get along really well um, especially if you decided to move to service Titan and then you're already looking at call tracking numbers. I mean, it sounds like data is really important to you to drive decisions, which I believe is critical, especially when looking at money. Um, so we could talk about, like, what kind of data you're watching, right? You're a little bit like the pilot driving, driving the, okay, I don't know, flying the plane. I know nothing about pilots, but let's pretend that you're the pilot flying the plane that is your business. What are the metrics that you're watching carefully? Um, we could talk about the money of branding. So it's not a small investment to wrap some trucks. It's not a small investment to go through a brand design, to choose a color, to be consistent, to be in front of people. Um, so we could talk about the money of branding. Uh, we could talk about where you started as a new business owner. I think it's super awesome that you are only eight months old in your service company and you've already seen serious growth. Um, and we can talk about some of those trials and maybe it sounds like some of those hacks because I have a feeling you, you've cut a few, like you've made a few shortcuts in a good way um and then michelle had planted a seed about your interest in acquiring companies um so we could talk about your experience of acquiring your last company or what you're looking for in the future of acquiring companies so that is a lot of options but i'm <laughs> going to leave it to you to choose the one that makes your heart sing the most and um and we nice. can hash it out um i can re- read them back if you want <laughs> yeah it's all good <laughs> um,
3: so i think um i think we'll you know we'll start with the uh with the data um okay And, and I've actually, you know, kind of recently had an epiphany here. So maybe we can talk about that journey a little bit. So, you know, I'm a plumbing company owner and most, most plumbing service owners that, that know what they're doing are going to track, um, average ticket and conversion rate, right? Those are, those are, those are the big ones. Um, and I, and I was the same way. That's true.
0: That's true across all home services, really. I mean, those are the top two metrics, I think you're right in line.
3: And, and we're also, you know, I'm also tracking like my, my cost of direct labor as a percentage of revenue and and things like that. We're trying to optimize that. So, um, so for, for months, I was just trying to optimize my average ticket, but what, what I was frustrated with was that my, my profit was like just very variable, right? Even when we had great months on a top line basis and we had great months on an average ticket, you know, maybe, maybe the profit was actually lower than than other months, like the net profit. Um, so, so I was kind of scratching my head about this and just generally frustrated. And, and I recently, I changed my focus to focus on I basically i came to the realization that not all revenue is is made the same right um Mm -hmm. and and i started to break down like what actually you know each dollar of my revenue what is it attributed to not so much um as a cost breakdown on the PL, but more of like where where is this revenue where is the revenue coming from on a on a on a specific job and and kind of how does that interact with with my cost structure so for instance, a typical job for me is going to have four kind of four buckets for revenue, and it's my trip charge, right? So we're, we're a company that doesn't, we don't go out and give free estimates. We charge a trip charge um, to ward off the tire kickers and, and protect our time a little bit. So we have a trip charge, and we have our billable hour, right? And we have material costs, which really is just... Pass through, right? Like my plumbing supply house is getting that money. That money's not coming to me. Um, and then I have, you know, a little material markup on the material that I sell. So the only money that's actually coming to me is the surcharge, the billable hour, and the material markup. Um, and what I what I ultimately did was built my cost structure outside of my material cost. Built my cost structure into just the billable hour. So now the surcharge falls straight Crazy. to my bottom line. The <laughs> material markup falls straight to my bottom line. And I just have to make, sh- I just have to focus on sold billable hours per technician. Right? Yeah,
0: that's um, awesome.
3: So, so now I know for my company, if my technicians, you know, my technicians uh, work an average, like say 45 hours a week. For a technician that works a full week, if he sells 16 hours, 16 hours for the week. We're gonna have a nice healthy profit margin, and everything above that is basically gravy. Every sold hour above that is gravy, um, and that's allowed me to just like gain clarity where I was like cloudy before, um, and it's also allowed me to get like very aggressive on my incentive structure for my technicians because I because I've gained that clarity now I can really like push to the edge on incentive structure, um, and and really really pay get my guys paid.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, labor efficiency, I think, is what you're, you're getting at there. And also understanding what you need to be charging for man hour. Um, we were recently together in Cancun for the Quality Driven Conference. And um, I have a dear friend in the lawn care industry. And he says that when he's consulting with businesses, getting a good understanding of what your charge rate needs to be, building in some profit cushion, is like the fundamental point of success in pretty much any service business. Um, and it sounds like you're maybe agreeing. Um, and then once you figure out an appropriate charge rate that can translate down to your bottom line, right, and consistently translate down to your bottom line, then figuring out how you can incentivize your staff to keep them efficient. Um, so your efficiency rate is at 35% right now, 35 and a half. And, it, and that's a fun game that you can play. If they can get to 17 billable hours in a week or 18 billable hours in a week, you know that that's all profit. Um, And I love that you've taken out the trip surcharge because uh, you make zero dollars when they're in the truck, right? (laughs) You make no money when they're driving between jobs. Um, That's really interesting. Um, What about types of jobs? Like, Have you gotten specific about uh, repairs versus replacements versus like remodel? I know you're slightly out of my industry, so I'm kind of throwing darts at a dartboard, but um, is that something you've been looking at with your metrics for your business?
3: yeah absolutely so and, and this was something that was a larger focus of mine back when, when I was focusing on labor efficiency or not not labor efficiency but cost of labor as a percentage of sales and average ticket and all that right so that was leading me much more towards replacements um, because you know a water heater replacement might be $1,500 a water heater repair might be $400 um, but but when I realized that those two things actually aren't, those two jobs actually aren't that far apart as far as the billable hours that I'm getting. Right. Well, now it's, well, now it's a little more apples to apples. Um, and I want, for one, I wanted to make sure that we weren't a company because there are companies that are notorious for this coming into a homeowner's house and saying, Oh, Hey, I, you know, we don't repair water heaters. We, you know you need to replace this right or trying to upsell you on a replacement upsell you on a replacement i, I wanted to make sure we weren't incentivizing our guys to do that um so focusing on the sold hour now makes makes it okay for a guy to only sell or repair right it's a uh, it's basically just as profitable for us um or close awesome. to
0: it so but, if you're home services your, oh, go ahead sorry, yeah
3: to your point though something like um something like a sewer replacement that's like that's big ticket money for us. That's almost all billable hours, not a whole lot of uh, material. And we love, we love replacing people's sewers.
0: So if you're a home service uh, business owner out there who maybe has an aid service or a window cleaning or a lawn care service, and you don't actually have much in terms of material costs. Okay, landscapers, you have material costs. Um, I think a big takeaway from this is understanding your man hour, understanding your charge rate, how much you should be charging per hour. And then keeping an eye on the bottom line. So if you're tracking a metric and it's not getting you the results you want, then track a new metric, find another one to look at. Um, Rich, thank you. That was super helpful. I'm going to pass you to Michelle, who's going to talk to you about systems. I feel like this to be an interesting discussion because uh, I think Michelle <laughs> has a good handle on the systems in your business, probably more it's so not. than most guests.
1: <laughs> oh, I do, I do, I love it. And and I mean, we could talk about all the things that we use to work together, but I, I think the move to Service Titan was really a fun uh, kind of curveball that you threw to us this year. You said really quickly, you said, hey, I need pink collars to be nimble. We're about to change CRMs right before, you know, the season gets busier. And what do you guys say? And we were like, okay, all right, let's do it. Um, so tell me how Service Titan has changed the business and what information you're pulling from it. Um, like you have talked about the call tracking, but what other metrics are you pulling from it that have helped to benefit? And why did you make that decision? Because a lot of people do decide to change CRMs and they're, they're not sure what they're moving from or to. So tell us how you how you made that decision and what you're actually looking for.
3: Well, you know, one, one thing we've been able to achieve with um, with service titan that's been huge and has involved uh, pink callers, is we've we've been able to more effectively set up what I would call like a rule based dispatching and then coupling that with. uh, With technicians pushing communication back to the dispatcher Um, so so before. When we were on a, you know, we were on Jobber and Jobber is not necessarily built for dispatch. It's more built for, what. I would, there's a difference between scheduling and dispatch. And I would say Jobber is more of a scheduling service. Um, we felt at when we were using that system that you had to have somebody that had a deep understanding of the trade in order to schedule jobs for the technicians. Right, because they had to know, sure. all right, this job's probably going to take three hours. This job's probably going to take six. This job's probably going to take one hour um and they had to have that knowledge inherent um in the dispatch to be able to be able to schedule effectively um and a problem there was that you know we we keep things really lean on the back end as lean as possible um we have a we have a saying uh, at Guar- guarantee plumbing is the name of the company we have a saying that uh our our mantra is build lean mass right so we try to <laughs> we invest in the muscle right yep Um, so so my issue was that my my master plumber service manager was having to be the dispatcher and was basically taking up all of his like mental bandwidth all day he wasn't able to focus on training quality of service um estimating and things like that he's just tied to the dispatch um so service titan uh and tied in with pink collars and pink collars communication systems with slack and stuff like that we were able to kind of make this rule-based where someone without knowledge of plumbing can basically put the first job on the schedule for each technician technician goes out to the job and messages back to the dispatcher sold the job i need an hour and a half they can adjust they literally adjust right. it on the dispatch board and then now they have mm-hmm. on their screen a true picture of, of what's actually happening out in the field and then they can start to um, schedule effectively for the rest of the day or if we need to start bumping calls to the next day we can do that and we're able to be more proactive instead of reactive um and that's yeah. enabled me to move dispatch off over to uh pink collars and and open up bandwidth on my own team so yeah it's been that's been a massive win for us
1: love it love it okay and then talk to us because a lot of people i know we always talk about but a lot of people are really interested in acquiring businesses. Give us just like a two minute spiel on how you look for maybe a competitor in your market or somebody out there that you might want to acquire and what you actually look for as a business owner when you're looking to buy something. Tell us how that works.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going to guess most of the audience here probably already owns a business. Um, So I'll talk... Mm -hmm. I'll kind of talk from that perspective and not necessarily like a first-time acquirers perspective. Um, we, and, and for, for context, we've, we've done two small tuck in acquisitions since September. Um, very small compared, compared to our business. And then we're working on a larger, uh, bolt on acquisition now that'll double our size, um, or more. Um,
0: for the google and stalkers out there is it guaranteed surface.com is that is that you
3: it's a uh, guarantee
0: so
3: yes it's g-a-r-o-n space <laughs> t plumbing
0: got it um, the, founder, plumbing. <laughs> the founder of the
3: company his name was was tom Garen so it's a play on it's a play on his name um but yeah so i mean it can be difficult it, it like no kidding i mean it's difficult to source uh, to source a company to acquire. Um, and the biggest thing you're trying to optimize for is seller motivation, in my, my opinion, right? If, if you don't have really? a motivated seller, then you're just going gonna to be chasing uh, business owners to acquire and you're going to waste a lot of time. Um, that's something I learned back in, back in real estate. I wasted like a year of communication with, a, with an apartment building owner um, and, and it didn't go anywhere. So, so I came in into this with, with that understanding. So I, I personally like to focus on, uh, broker deals, right? So, so a business that that's already listed with a broker, like clearly that motivation mm. to sell is there. They've already kind of essentially contracted and promised this broker that, Hey, if a deal, if a good offer comes across, we are going to sell, they've got someone to shepherd them through the transaction. Um, you will get better deals off market that aren't brokered. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's a fact, but you're gonna pay for it with, uh, with the amount of effort that you're gonna put into it. Um, now, funny enough, the two deals, the two businesses that we've rolled up in the last seven months um, actually weren't brokered. They kind of just fell into our lap. Um, there are local, local companies um, that actually came and knocked on our door looking to sell. Wow. um hmm. so you have that as well as a as a entrenched business owner in a local market um but if you're really trying to take a step up and take a stab in an adjacent market um i think broker transaction is going to help quite a bit um hmm. but you know okay. you can i love it cool. you generally have a you have an <laughs> advantage you have an advantage as a as a current business owner a first-time acquirer is is generally what you. consider like a financial buyer right they're they're paying for your company and its current net profit right they need a return on the net the bottom line of what your of what your company uh is achieving um as a as an established player acquiring a business in the same trade or a similar trade. You already have your systems. You already have your cost structure, your, your OPEX, your SGNA. Um, so in my opinion, you're really, you're really looking for gross profit. Um, and you're really looking for revenue and customers. So, so for instance, mm-hmm. there's, there's a deal that I'm working on now. Um, the, the business does 2 million in revenue and they only keep about 150,000 of it. Right. So it's like a seven percent, you know, seven and a half percent net profit margin. Now, a first time acquirer is going to look at that business and say, I'm not willing to pay more than two or three times net profit. And they're only going to pay four hundred and fifty thousand tops for that business. Right. I look at that business and I see, well, they're doing two million in revenue. Um, Their profit margins are so low because. They're, they haven't priced their services effectively. They haven't raised their prices in 30 years. Um, and really <laughs> on my, with my structure and my pricing, this business is a $4 million business. Right. Yeah. And would have a much, yeah. much, much larger net profit. Um, so I'm able to kind of buy on, on a, uh, a, a little more confidently on prospective performance than, than maybe someone who isn't already in the game. Hmm.
1: It's so cool. So you use all that data to help you make that decision. That's awesome. I am going to pass you off to Martha so she can talk to you about people. And um, thank you so much, Rich. It's so good to see you again. <laughs>
3: Thanks,
4: Michelle. Okay, Rich, you're almost done with us. I, I'm like the last person to hit you. Um, so I'm listening to your rapid growth, like 60% increase in revenue. And you mentioned that you added seven people. So seven positions. And uh, I would think that hasn't been all smooth sailing, but uh, I don't know. I mean, how has it been to scale so quickly, especially our businesses all depend on people. So um, the, our audience, suffers from the same people problems that probably we've all had in here. So just give us a little insight on how that's been. And you're in a different situation because you're having to add not only people, but skilled people. So what's the recruiting been like? Um, Have you learned some lessons along the way, scaling so quickly and adding? um, and then just let you share with us.
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, somewhat unique to my situation too, is that, you know, I, I didn't build this business from the ground up, right. I I acquired it with its current staff. So a big, um, focus of mine at first was, was kind of like winning the respect and trust of my, of my current employees, the employees that I inherited. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I, unsurprisingly, probably, I have a lot of strong opinions about how to do that, you know, coming from, like, you know, I was a platoon commander in the Marine Corps, um, and, you know, that's what I did. If I know anything, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, like, leadership and management, right? Um, so, so, for me, I had to prove to the guys that I was worthy of being working for, uh, of, of working for, so... Jumping in with them in the truck, you know, j- grabbing a shovel and, and helping to dig that trench, you know, climbing, uh, crawling underneath uh, crawl spaces and uh, diagnosing leaks. I mean, I was like really getting in there um, and uh, and trying to like lead from the front. Right. I mean, that's the leadership I knew. But what's interesting is that in the Marine Corps, at least, I actually was I was generally in a position where I was the most trained and, and the best infantryman in my platoon. Right. <laughs> I was able to lean on my, on my skill set a little bit. Um, I'm, I don't have a plumbing background. So I had to really like deliberately humble myself. Um, And basically when I go out on the trucks with my guys, like I'm, I'm the unskilled laborer. You know what I mean? Um, I'm a, I'm a plumber's helper. Seriously. I'm like cutting pipe. I'm I'm threading cutting and threading pipe and and carrying stuff uh, for my guys. Um, So I think, you know, just, Good leadership, first off, goes a long way, um, which really kind of ties in, you know, my overall kind of approach is that it's a lot easier to recruit when you have happy employees. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I take, I, and I'm very deliberate about this and and outspoken about this. I take an employee first approach, you know, most, you hear people say all the time, like we're customer obsessed and, and, and all this stuff. and, And that's great. Um, but my opinion is that a disgruntled or overworked um, employee is never going to be able to provide your customers great service just it's just right. impossible um, so so we do a lot to improve our employees quality quality of life and, and i mean that comes with increased pay uh performance incentives respecting their off time when they're actually off um, making their life easier on the job through some of the systems that we put in place so finally, it's a long way of answering your question, Martha, but um, recruiting has been fairly easy so far because nearly all of my um, additions have been employee referrals, um, which, which is nice because they're optimizing for, you know just inherently, they're optimizing for fit on the team. If they're going to refer somebody to the job, generally, we know that at least my employee thinks. This guy's going to be a good fit on the team. Right. So then we just have to then we just have to solve for like does this technician have the skill set we need. Um, and the rest of it, but we we've had a lot of luck with the referrals. I've only had to terminate uh, one one technician. Um, that that we had brought on. now that was, that was hard. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, everyone stayed. All the guys that we inherited have stayed. They're all happy. They're all making significantly more money and have a lot more free time than they had before. Um, and they're telling their friends about it. And their friends That's are coming. That's
4: awesome. That's awesome. Not to say <laughs> your recruiting is easy, but I never really thought about the fact that when you're hiring licensed people, they're coming from other jobs that are similar. So they have a recruiting pool. Whereas those of us in lawn care and maid service and window cleaning, a lot of times this is the first time they've ever done that kind of work. So they can still help bring people in, but uh, it is a little bit harder because, you know, like I own a maid service and people think oh yeah I like to clean my house I like that Mm -hmm. and then they go clean somebody else's house that maybe has a different level of dirt and stuff and they're like hmm no I do not like cleaning somebody else's house so (laughs) I never thought about when you have a trade service that recruiting from pools is probably a little more efficient. So kudos to you. That's great. That Mm -hmm. is great. But you also have set up systems that, I mean, even if they can pull their buddies in, their buddies aren't staying if you haven't created the systems and the culture that they want to stay. So that's really great.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, it, you know, I would probably say that's been my primary focus in, yeah. is creating those systems and trying to optimize for like employee satisfaction. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and we've achieved that a lot of different ways. Um, our, you know, our company was, ver- the company was very small when we took over and basically it was all skilled labor. That That's mm-hmm. all it was. It was just, it was like service technicians. That was all there was in the company. It was the owner and his wife. Um, running the business. And what that means, you know, I mentioned to uh, Megan earlier that I, you know, I love sewer replacements, right. Um, And technicians really hate service uh, sewer replacements, if they're the ones having to dig the trench. Right. Right. Um, So and that that was the case, you know, if we if we sold a water service repair, um, or sewer replacement, that that hole or that trench needs to get dug. And if there's utilities, uh-huh. vulnerable utilities in the area, we can't use an excavator. We have to literally hand dig that five feet, six feet down. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough day for somebody. And, and it doesn't make sense from a business perspective either because now you have a skilled technician who could be out on other jobs, but instead he's gonna spend six hours digging this hole so that he can make a 15 minute repair at the bottom of the hole and then fill the hole back in. Um, right. So at first I started doing, I started digging the holes so that we could gain that efficiency. And we were, we were swamped with work. So I was like, look, I'm the unskilled labor. I'm going to dig this hole. Um, this is before <laughs> pink colors came on the scene. So I was all, I had this in my ear and I was also taking customer calls at the same time. Um, <laughs> thank God for uh, for Michelle and her team. But, um, uh, but yeah, so, and then we, you know, those, those days that I spent with a shovel in my hand were our highest grossing days. Um, so prove the hypothesis there fairly quickly. And then we started to hire some unskilled labor. Um, and we use those guys to do, to do the dirty work and the technicians, you know, they're they're able to keep their hands a little bit cleaner. Um, their backs a little less sore in the morning when they wake up and, um, they can sell those big jobs with confidence knowing that they're not going to have to, Essentially, be punished for it, um, right? And uh, and that unskilled labor has allowed us to, um, you know, because they're not always on on a dig, so we use them for parts running as well. So we're able to keep our guys uh, freshly stocked, you know, so they're not running to the supply house all the time like they used to be, um, which has increased our labor efficiency, um, and uh, and 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 all that stuff. So
4: that's and, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, one, one thing, just one last note is, um, I mean, it sounds like you have already fixed the part that they hated about the sewer installer repair. But um, in the maid service, we have a service that they hate as well. And that's like the, the first time in deep clean. Because typically, you know, the house is going to be just a lot harder physically to get to the level of clean we need, you know, scrubbing a shower that maybe somebody hasn't kept clean for months, year, you know, that kind of thing is not fun. And so... I did a thing where I have basically a pay for performance incentive on that service alone that is, um, if they get back a good or excellent back from our survey, then I bonus them on that. And so we used to do a lot of redos on deep cleans and they just hated it and not that they love it now, but they can, be, you know, they do a little weighing on, okay, i got to be clean, but I can make more money. So, um, you know, if you find that you still have that angst on those kind of things, you might consider, and it doesn't have to be extra pay. It could be, I don't know probably not a paid day off, but you know what I'm getting at is something that would that they want that you can incentivize.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's also important to understand that, you know, at least for me, often, most of the time, the guys selling the work are the guys performing the work. Yeah, right. So you have to understand, like, is there a disincentive here to sell exactly. this work? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine that's probably not as much of a problem um, for you and your business,
4: Correct. Um, but
3: but, you know, worth considering for, for other businesses out there, you know, the the jobs that your people hate doing, are they also the ones responsible for selling them? Mm -hmm. Um, You might see your conversion rates are are a little bit lower.
4: Yeah. You got to figure out and you, I mean, that was brilliant on figuring out what they hated about the job and how to fix that? So that's really great, and uh, and that really is. You got to just—it's all a puzzle, and it's all all right. How can I make this less um, bad, for lack of a, another term? And you know, how can I fix it? And so that was great.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of technicians, you know, as the word starts getting out, they know that a, another similar size company around town or in the area is not going to have that infrastructure in place. Like they are going to have to, they are going to have to do those digs. Right.
4: Right, um, right.
3: And, and not only, you know, not only does that suck um, physically, but also if it, it, it impedes their ability to go get other work. And if they're working with any sort of performance incentive, it, they're gonna make less money over time because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a focus of mine now, cause I've kind of I've started to kind of tap the referral pool a little bit and now I have to start recruiting a little bit heavier is like, how can I make this as unfair as possible um, when it comes to my competition, right? Yeah. Like the companies in the area, they're they're not gonna pay. They're not gonna pay as much as I do. They're not gonna have they're gonna have to they're gonna have their guys working more hours than I make my guys work. Um, they're gonna have their guys doing like tougher, rougher labor than I make my guys do. Um mm-hmm. so just in every facet of the job, how can I how can I win when it comes to yeah. competing with a with a competitor for talent?
4: Man, I'd be putting that on your job ad, you know, like all those things mm-hmm. that is different about your company than you know, the, your competition, even down to the no digging sewer trench lines or whatever, however you word that. But um, so, and kudos to you because your staff saw that as you taking care of them, even though there was an efficiency part of it, it still, I'm sure you played on the fact that you're going to take care of them you're they're your licensed workers and you value them and you're going to do your best to take care of them so that was really a great way to solve that problem
3: yeah absolutely I mean and you know it's it's true like we take it really seriously sure um if you like if you're on my team you're gonna get taken care of full stop bottom line you know um, we're kind of like, I, I, joke with friends of mine, you know, like I'm almost like tribal in that respect, you know, like we had a, uh, <laughs> we had a saying in the Marine Corps that, that always kind of, uh, resonated with me and it was no better friend, no worse enemy. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we just try to, you know, you're not going to have a better friend than, than guarantee when you come on the team. So w- we, we approach all those things with, with that in mind.
4: Yep. Yep. It sounds awesome. It's
0: awesome. <laughs> so now we go around and we do a round robin of homework. And Rich, if you'd like to assign some homework, you totally can. And if this is your first time watching Fight Club and you're listening to all the homework, please don't get overwhelmed. The goal is that you do at least one homework assignment a week from one of us. You don't have to do all four or five. And if you do one homework thing to move your business forward every single week, you will improve your business. You will make a difference. So we want this to be actionable. We don't want you to just take in this inspiring information. We want you to use it to change your business too. So I think, Kay, if you'd like to get started with your homework. Yep. Great.
2: All right, so I'm going to challenge you this week if you don't have call tracking to go ahead and start taking a look into it. Maybe your CRM offers it like Rich's does um, or there's other alternate options. Call rail is a great option. It's really cost affordable. I'll go ahead and drop a link for that in the group. So that way you can take a look at that option if your CRM does not give you an option for call tracking. Um, but like Rich really touched on, this is gonna give you clarity. It's gonna give you understanding of where your marketing dollars are being spent and then how you can continue to reinvest those marketing dollars in the future. What's working, what's not working, get rid of you know the things that are broken. So that's my homework for you. Um, yeah, I'll
0: go ahead and drop the link later. Awesome. So from the finance perspective, I want you to revisit your charge rate. When was the last time you looked at how much you should be billing per employee per hour? And have you factored in all the variables? Have you factored in the drive time? Have you factored in the profitability? Have you factored in the callbacks? Have you really come up with a holistic number that you can rely on so that you know that three hours out of eight hours a day, you're gonna be billing. Or in our industry, it's probably closer to six hours out of eight hours a day you're gonna be billing. Um, But when was the last time you looked at that number? And we talk a lot about pricing and I think Rich has done a great job of like building out his price book. But the easiest way to fix your pricing is to figure out what your charge rate is and make sure that you're meeting your budgeted hours on every job. Um, So that's my challenge to you this week. If you've not looked at your charge rate in a while, Take a look at it. What is it? And are you meeting it? Um, and do you need to adjust it? Um, I think that's a really fantastic way to look at fixing your bottom line quickly and easily. So that's your finance homework for this week.
1: Yay. And systems homework. I want everybody to check out Service Titan. And it is epic. I mean, I can hear all the good things from everybody on Rich's team that's helping get, uh, get it all set up. Pamela's totally in it 100% right now and she loves it. And think about how CRM can actually replace an entire salary of somebody that is focusing all their effort on dispatch. If you use the tech to help you do that, you can actually turn that dispatcher back into a manager, somebody who helps you know lead your team, train your team. Um, so think of it that way. If you look at the price of um, Service Titan, think about how much money you can save in people time. So I'm gonna put the link um, in the group
4: day for Service Titan. That's your homework. (laughs) Okay. And people homework. I want you to think about the the service that you offer, or it could be even a part of the service that you offer that people hate the most. Even if they're not the ones selling that job, there's still a problem. Like for me, it wasn't the lack of them selling the job. It was the lack of quality work when they did that job because they hated it you know their heart wasn't in it so think about that and then there was a piece I didn't touch on much but it was about the vulnerability and the empathy that you shared with them like they knew you were listening they knew that you took in the information and you figured out how you could help them. And that goes such a long way. So look at those services and then look from your employees point of view, ask, listen, and then figure out a way that you can fix it or improve it. And then make sure that they know that you're trying to help them. that's gonna go a long way in your culture.
0: Rich, I have a feeling that you have some homework related to what was just dropped in the chat. Is that, <laughs> is, is that your homework assignment for this week? Oh,
3: no, I just want, I want to give you guys that, uh, that truck okay. photo.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just gonna share it here. Love it. Uh, and it could be your uh, homework ooh. branding. If you've not looked at wrapping your equipment, maybe now's a good time. <laughs> love it. It's a nice looking Great. truck. I love the blue. And it's Just very easy like
2: to read. So happy. It's so nice. Yep, it's good. It's it. great. It's good. It's like
3: big and bright. I, I love it. Right I love there. looking at it.
0: <laughs> well, and there's no question about there's no question about what you do, what's your name, yep. or how to get a hold of you. Like yep. I feel like every truck wrap that's missing the mark, they have not thought about that. Everything else is distracting, right? But we know exactly what you do and how to get a hold of you and what your name is.
3: That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. Um so I, I think I have some homework. I think I have some homework. <laughs> um,
4: and
3: if I can, I'll make it two things. So first is almost all of our companies uh, in this like service industry are, we get, we get beat up by the phones, right? Um, and if you, if you don't have a CSR in your office already um, and you're taking the calls yourself as an owner, I promise you, you have better things you can be doing um i lived that life for like a for like a month and it, you know i wanted to jump off of a bridge um so and, and you don't you don't want to be upset every time the phone rings right that, that doesn't work either um so so my homework would be if you don't already have a csr in the office or maybe even if you do and you need more help give paint callers a ring michelle and doug are awesome they have like thank you they have improved my quality of life uh just an incredible amount. Um, so, and I'll happily, I'll happily discuss the details of, of why it's awesome with anybody if, if they want more information. Um, my, my real homework though, is think about what your largest frustrations with your employees are right now. What, what are you as a business owner just like pissed off about, um, annoyed with, frustrated with when it comes to your employees? and their behavior or their performance um or their knowledge whatever it is and then from here on just flip flip the switch i want you to own them as your own failures they're yours because when they're your failures you can actually control them when they're someone else's failures you can't right so then now that you can control them what are you going to do to fix it okay wow um good. What are you going to, do to fix it do you need to put rules in place do you need to increase your hiring do you need to um you know increase your oversight increase your training whatever whatever it is it's something that you can control it's your business
0: i'm just getting goosebumps that
2: might be the best homework we've ever gotten from I mm-hmm. yes that's good. That a really good own
0: topic.
1: it
2: Own it.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's so true, controlling it. It's not out of your control. You have control of that. Absolutely.
1: You do. Okay, quote of the week, people. I've got one. uh, Richard Branson, and it's clients do not come first, employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of the clients. And that's so true. So true. So perfect for today. (laughs)
3: Awesome. All right. well, guys,
1: thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed yes. it. Yes. Hey, thank you, you so much, wish. Rich. It was great to see you. Everybody, have a great day and keep out. Keep fighting. <laughs> see you next week oh, at 10 a.m.
0: Eastern on Tuesday.
1: Yes. We'll Sounds good. See you guys.
0: Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business.
4: Fight, Fight Club for Business.